Welcome to the Talent Rebelcast. My name is Elin Bailey, and along with me is my co-host, Tracy Parsons. Tracy and I have been getting together for what seems like forever now to, well, chit-chat about talent. One day after a few too many cocktails, we thought, what the heck, let's press record. And that's how we got here. We hope you'll listen in and find this a little bit fun, interesting, and just the teeniest bit inspiring. So without further ado, let's get this party started. Hello. Good morning, Tracy. How are you today? Good morning, Lynn. I'm pretty good. I, I, I'm going to sound a little mellow to start out today. I'm feeling a little mellow. It's a little cloudy outside and the weather turned a little bit. So I've got my soft, soft jazz radio voice on. You do. You do. <laughs> Is it mellow? But it's it's not mellow sad. It's just mellow. Cozy. Cozy. It's mellow cozy. Okay, you mentioned this on last week's pod. I was listening to it. And one of the things that you said was that it was summertime and it was feeling cozy. I thought, yeah. well, that's an interesting way to describe summer. Most people do that for the fall or the winter because it's warm inside the house and you're all cozy. But summer is your cozy place. It is. And I, it may be the billowy clothes and the, the maxi skirts. And I'm very comfortable in my clothes in the summer. I just, everything is very, I, I sleep more, right? So the summer is the, for, somehow I sleep more because my son doesn't have to wake up at seven to get to school. Like everybody sleeps in, in my house and I get more sleep and I'm more rested. And yeah, I'm just kind of, I'm annoying right now. I will be very honest. I'm I'm really, I'm really fucking annoying to be around right now. I love that. Okay. No, I I love that. It's funny. I'm, I'm actually getting into this space where I'm feeling busy again. Mm. So kind of, I'm I'm hitting that, like I'm I'm past, I'm into that hectic summer feel. That's what summer is like for me. It feels hectic. I feel like I got a, you know, got vacations, plus you got work stuff, plus you got navigating, you know, keeping the kiddo busy and all that stuff. I usually feel most cozy, most comfortable, most flowy in June. And then I feel like once the July 4th holiday hits, everything goes fucking bananas. Like, like 4th of July. And I will say that I think that there might be seven weeks in June. I don't know what it is about June. June is is almost languid. Like it's just the longest month of the year. It's one of my favorite months of the year because it it just seems to like you'll hit the middle of the month and you're like, it's the sixth. Like me feeling like mentally it's like it's gotta be the 15th. Nah, man, it's the sixth. Holy shit. So and then, you know, at the end of the month, you're like, I can't believe it's not July yet. But then fourth of July, all hell breaks loose. You know, we've got birth months in July and we got chaos in July and, you know, like you said, vacations and getting work done. Now, the bright spot about all of this is that this is really the time of year where it's kind of tough to get a hold of people in the industry, right? Yeah. And and so it gives you kind of bandwidth to either get a lot of shit done or make a good plan for Q3 and 4 when you know everything's going to hit the wall. It's true. And maybe I, I think that's usually the, I think that's usually the case. I think where I'm falling this year is that there's I feel this with this new world that I'm in. There's this huge pressure. I know that's going to this pressure valve is going to explode sometime in the September time, September, maybe late September time frame. And there's so much there's just so much to do to get there. I'm feeling like both I need to get there because there there are reasons we need to get there. And, and so I'm anxious for the time to hit, but I'm also petrified because I don't have enough time to get everything done. 
that's when I think that we always joke in our house that we need a time manufacturing machine. Yeah, definitely. And then we joke that we're working one in the basement, but then we have to go fix the cloning machine and we never get either of them done. Well, right. That's the problem. (laughs) The problem. Yeah. You know, that's, that's uh, my good Star Trek reference. I'm a doctor, damn it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm going to propose that we chat a little bit more about the topic we started last week, because I'm telling you, it's not dying out, which by the way, I don't think it's going to die out. I just think people cannot wrap their heads around it. So everybody's talking about it and doesn't know what they're talking about. This whole idea that there is this, this huge employee talent awakening. No, everybody's panicked because they can understand, but I think they're putting it towards the wrong things. This idea that there are all these job openings, but people, but they can't get people to take jobs I'll tell you what prompted me to like say, okay, we still got to go back and talk about this because people I don't think are getting it yet. And I think connects to the Panda research that you did as well. So I was reading a CNN article today and it was talking about again in the US, but this is global guys, but in the US, they were talking about in particular about the number of roles that, that people are left unfilled, the amount of, but also the amount of unemployment balancing it out. And they said, well, most people believe it's because that everyone's still juggling the pandemic effort issues of dealing with childcare or health concerns about going back to the office, or they're getting too much money from government programs to, to stay at home. This is a great example of how we take our messed up version of what we think the control and power system has been companies and government and et cetera, versus talent and employees and people. And we say, well, it can't possibly be the fact that we have like a crappy ass system. And everybody said, screw it. I'm not doing this anymore. It must be there's some overriding challenge that's existing in the universe. Suddenly, it's like everybody suddenly realized in the summer, people have childcare concerns. And so that's obviously why nobody can go back to work. I mean, really? The whole thing just makes me shake my head because I hear it over and over again. Well, people are getting more money on unemployment than they are getting at work. Okay. And I'm going to be very plain about this. I don't have that data. I don't sit on that data. It could, quite frankly, be true. It could totally be true. But what does that say if it's true? Well, if it does say, that, if, if it says that it's true, that... Nobody wants, like, work is hard. Jobs are hard. Like, I can't stop thinking about the fact that the very, very upper echelon of earners got so much richer during the pandemic. Exactly. That's not lost on people. And people are looking at, well, I helped them get there and they get more and I get the same. Why do I get the same? Exactly. It is a series of issues like this that people are starting to wake up to. I was sitting in the nail salon. Yes, everybody, I go to the nail salon. It's a new thing. Nice. It's new. Pretty. Yeah. I'm. I'm like. I'm starting to do these things. So I was sitting in the nail salon, minding my own business, and <laughs> the lady next to me was getting her nails done. Was talking to her friend, and I wanted to like tap her on the shoulder and say, "Oh, can you come on the pod and talk about this?" But I didn't. She's like telling her friend. She's like, "Oh." Yeah, I'm going to have to go back into the office. I don't want to go back into the office. And her friend's like, well, why would you have to go back into the office? She goes, well, let's be honest. I have to go back in the office because they just invested in remodeling that floor. And it makes people irritated that nobody's in it. 
So I have to go and pretend I'm there. But guess what? My boss isn't going to be there. He's never there. My boss has been working out of his house for the last 10 years. Okay. So going back to your original CNN article and your original absolute irritation, it is almost as if, it's almost as if the decision makers, the employers, the, what did you call it? The power system? The what power you, system, the, the, the power brokers, right? The, the power system. control, like the, the employers and the government. Yeah. They refuse to acknowledge their role in any of this. Exactly. So it's almost like, it's almost like our power system has a narcissistic personality disorder. Oh my God. Exactly it. That's exactly it. And this is exactly the piece that's annoying the crap out of me. It's not that the issue is happening. It's that they're completely blind to being able to accept any responsibility or to identify that it is them, right? That put that they have a part in this. Right. You've worked at places where you've had bad managers in your orbit, right? That you didn't report to, right? You know, there there have been, you've seen bad managers. You have seen people flee the bad manager like nobody's business. And you also then see that bad manager get elevated. And the bad manager will say when, you know, 90% of his team quits, I mean, they just don't want to work very hard. Or you're an asshole. That's right. There are multiple explanations for this. So I think that there's a just a general lack of self-awareness in the C-suite right now, in the government right now. There's a lack of, there is a very, very rampant, if we were to do a persona of the C-suite, they would be narcissists. And I'm going to be honest. I think the people that do the work that we do, Alin, see the narcissists. Yeah. But we can't help but want to solve their problem. And then we see the talent who is being marginalized. Mm-hmm. And all of us right now are just finding bricks and stones and muds and sticks to try and build some sort of bridge over the mental chasm that these two very, very different audiences have about themselves and each other. And that's why we're all so fucking tired. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure the chasm cannot be overcome. No, it can't be over. Listen, I think once you wake up, and that's why I, I keep I, I I know I stole it from an article that was someplace, and I will find it and I will I will reference it at some point. I love that people are calling this the Great Awakening. Once you are aware, once you are you kind you once you're woke, whatever you want to call it, right? Sure. But once you are aware of what's happening to you and others around you, once you are kind of like your blinders come off for a moment and you realize, wait a minute, I've been part of the Borg this whole time. They don't care about me. And I don't need them to care about me, by the way. But I also understand that because they don't care about me and I have to care about myself, I'm going to make other choices and decisions. Once you do that, you don't go back to sleep again. I mean, I don't think you do. No. And and also let's just keep in mind, this might be another marker to look for during the Great Awakening. Uh-huh. It's not just quits. It's not just new businesses that are started. It's also a drop in productivity because yeah. one of the choices that I can make is show up, collect my check and do absolutely nothing or do the bare minimum. Why would I go above and beyond, right? Even if I'm a good person, it's not about being a good person or a bad person or a, have a strong work ethic or a low work ethic. It's about being smart, right? Where am I going to put my energies? I know for a fact this has happened. 
I spent the last year, parts of it were just sucked majorly, trying to balance what was going on at home and my family and my life and et cetera, and what was going on at work and et cetera. And I had to kind of figure out how to balance these two things. But because they collided in that orbit, I suddenly became very aware of every decision I was making was a decision to put my energy towards one or the other. Or the other. And because I started to become aware of that, we all start to have this moment where we go, I have to make a decision. Where's my value problem? Why would I put my energy towards one versus the other? I think this means, and I've been, I, I, we were toying with this last night when we were texting back and forth. Cause I'm, I'm now that I'm on this topic, my next desire is to exactly what you're saying, bridge the chasm, right? What's the mud pile we can create over all the trolls underneath the bridge <laughs> to get people to connect together. And I keep trying to think, well, what's the answer, right? What is it? If it's not about telling people the story of, I buy into your your company, I, I now work for you. Because who I think I think language is going to be really super important because I think it changes people's perception. I can't work for a company anymore, right? No. Because the company is not in it. No, I don't work for a person. If I don't work for something, somebody else, and I can't, I haven't figured out how to work for myself, which I think is the next part of what's going to start to happen, then how do you get people to continue the psychological contract between um, between people who need to get stuff done and they need to hire people to help support them to do it and the people who need to who need money to to do the piece because I, I think money is one part of the contract but i think like you said it, it won't bridge the whole gap i think that there's a the language you you hit on language and i talk about this whenever i get an opportunity to speak in front of a, an audience is that Nobody wants to work for someone. You will serve yourself so much better if you can start talking about and living the idea of working with people. You are working alongside people. You are working with this company. This company has goals. You have personal goals. You're going to find a middle ground. And maybe your personal goals are straight up financial. That's fine. That's Mm -hmm. totally fine. You can make that choice. And your with is then going to be in your compensation. And so that's your with. I don't think that there's a for anymore. So I think that's exactly it, Tracy. It's a with. It's it's yeah. not it's not for. I work for myself. So if I work with myself, that sounds dirty. <laughs> you and your multiple personalities. <laughs> <laughs> the po- Tracy on the right shoulder, Tracy on the left shoulder. Uh-huh. Which one? Which one is it? Is talking today? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. You know, it's it is what it is. But but I do. I like the team that I work with. Nobody works for me. They work with me. That's and right. it's it's really funny because we're we're in the process of growing and building and spinning off products into their own businesses. And we're talking about hiring and we're talking about the kind of company that we want to be. And it's really fascinating because when we're setting up plans to grow and hire, we're looking at doing similar to what the Dan Price has done. Like everybody makes the same amount of money and it's going to be a lot. Like we're going to pay people incredibly well, no matter what you do. Because that's why you're doing this. And we think about this in a much more egalitarian way. Like you need money. And if you're lucky enough to find a a role that delivers you money and a little bit of purpose, and you buy into that purpose, that's victory. 
but everybody's going to at our at our company nobody works a schedule that's the other thing when we talked about free range talent last week we actually have a definition of what that means you work when you want where you want you accomplish the missions that you've set that we've set as a group here is what you are what we need you to achieve this week if you get it all done in a day great that's awesome have the rest of your life to you know till your next set of missions come up that why can't we treat people that work with us like grown-ups like what is it about our society and and I do hear the horror stories like I do hear the people who are like yeah they show up to a shift and they text the whole time well then don't hire them right, right? I mean, or tell them to go I completely agree. I think I think part of the reason why companies can't go where you're headed, and this idea of kind of full and kind a of free range talent, which autonomy, yeah, autonomy, it's a, a full autonomy, is in essence we are still functioning in a feudalistic society, right? If I'm paying you X amount of dollars and I am mm-hmm. the the lord and the king and, and the master sitting up in the in my castle and my and you and my little farmers are out there making stuff and I see that you're done farming with whatever I've told you I need the amount of wheat I need from that week or whatever mm-hmm. and you have time left yeah. I still believe it's my response it's my um, not responsibility my you're right. I feel like I own you. I feel like I have the ability to turn around and say, well, then you can be more. That just means I have increased your productivity by the things I have done. And so now go produce more. And now I have that. I'm now I'm creating value for the company and for myself. So go create more with that time. Because I pay because because we're still stuck in this idea, that this feudalistic idea that I pay you, you work for me, which means I buy you, which means I buy your time. If I buy your time, I mean, we're still stuck on like saying how much time is full-time versus part-time versus, right, et cetera. So if I buy your time, then I get all that time. It, and there's a range of how people um, are able to accept how they're operating within this, right? They can mm-hmm. be the true kind of, I buy your time, your butt will be in the seats during these times. And I get to tell you what times those are, okay? So that's like the the very, that's like the Henry VIII, they're all chop off your head, guys. And then there's the ones you think they're all open and, you know, et cetera. And they're like, listen, work your eight hours whenever it's feasible for you to do it. You want to work in the middle of the night? That's fine. You want to work it, but it's eight hours. And then you have the third type that are, you know, starting to kind of go down that path and kind of say, okay, however you need to get it done, but they're watching. And then if they see that you're getting it done and you're getting it done and you're looking too happy and too, too kind of content, they see too much going on out there. They're like, you could do more. And they're just piling and piling and piling. I think right. this, is, this is exactly the reason why employees have said, screw you. Screw 100%. You. I own me, which means I own my time. And you don't get to buy it. Treat me like a person. Like, treat me like an adult. And it's just, I just, this whole concept is is broken to me, which is why we're going to try and lead by example. And you know what? It might be a big explosion flame out. I'm super open to that. I'm willing to put my money where my big ass mouth is. Like I am ready to say, okay, well, I think this can be done. I think that there are people out there who will behave like adults. We will hire for adults. We will absolutely exit people quickly if they're not proving to be adults. 
And the fun part about this is that, you know, we're starting to get to a point where we collectively, as a team, agree to the missions and who's doing what missions, right? Could you imagine choosing your missions? Yes. I mean, I can because I got to a point years ago where I don't work in teams where, or we're in places where I can't choose. If I can't, I'm miserable and I leave. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that's exactly that. That's exactly it. Right. Yeah. So, how do you, so now let me take all of this and say, okay. Yes, but Jose owns a restaurant and we want to go to the restaurant, which means he'd somehow be able to cook the food, take our order, serve the food, do et cetera. And he can't find anybody who's willing to do that, who, who's like, I'm, I'm up for that, right? How do we solve that? So, so I still think there's going to be this gap in what people are willing to do. So I think there's like this kind of white collar version of what this new, non-feudalistic yes. environment starts to look like, which is what you're talking yes. about. And then this day-to-day, you know, I'm a more blue-collar, hourly, and I don't even see, again, hourly wages. What the hell? I think we haven't figured that piece out. I think that's why that's the piece that looks like it's exploding the most. And it is exploding the most. And I would love to, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. When travel opens back up again, Alain, you and I are going to go on a European roadshow and we are going to go interview restaurant owners across Europe because that seems to work just fine. I'm not seeing it. And again, I'll call some, I'll call some friends in Europe. And if you are in Europe and there yeah. is a restaurant worker shortage, please, please just tweet us or tech or comment like with, you know, hashtag bullshit. Cause I don't know, like I'm legitimately don't know, but I do know that in Europe, being a waiter or waitress, being a server is a profession and they're paid appropriately and working in a kitchen is they're paid appropriately. So they seem to not have our same issues with wanting to pay $2 an hour in Europe. And I don't remember the food being that much more expensive. So how are they making it on these razor thin margins that we hear about in the U.S.? in restaurants, how are they thriving and surviving for 30, 40, 50 years, 100 years in some locations on these razor thin margins? I don't know. Is it a combination of feudalistic lord greed, right? And it could be. Uh, and um, consumerism at the, at, the, at the populist level, right? Where just subsiding, sub- existing, just we, we always want more. And that desire to have more, does that cause part of the challenge too. I don't right. know the answer to that question. And so, I'm but let's go to Europe and, and figure it out. Yeah. And, and by <laughs> the way, I mean, I, I've joked about this last time. I said, this is an interesting conversation um, for me, an interesting place to, to be in my thought. I am come from a um, historically conservative background, right? But also I, I am a firm believer in capitalism. I, I'm, I am, right? I'm a capitalist at heart. I, I believe that is the right system. I think I believe that. I also coming to a point where I realize that there is a, it's something's broken. I don't believe. So I read Animal Farm. I bought into, and I believe, and I've seen it happen in other locations. I don't think you can have, there's this kumbaya state where everything is fair and there's full equality of everybody's equal in the decisions and the choices because somebody always has power and somebody who has power ends up taking control. The problem is we've got to figure out a better way to balance this whole thing. There's just something in between here. I don't know what it is, but I know that this Great Awakening is pushing the boundaries and it's going to shake out into something different. It is no different than the Industrial Revolution 
or post World War II after they tried to you know send women all back to the uh, back home. And we did that for a little while, and then the sixties and seventies came about. And we said, "Screw you, we're coming back." We don't like, like this. We don't like this. I think this is just another major incident. It's going to change the entire footprint of what is what it's about. But we're not going to get there until companies and the powers that be start talking about it and understanding their part in this. It is not that everybody is lazy or getting money from the government or that they are trying to manage their health care or their, you know, their child care or that they're afraid to come back to work. It's that they don't want to come back to work for you. People are making money somehow. How are they doing it? They're going to work for themselves. They're partnering up with their friends. They're working their Uber drive. They're doing whatever they're doing, right? Well, I don't know if I mentioned it last pod, but I have a really good friend who cleans houses. Did I mention this on the last pod? Yeah. Yes. Really? Yes, okay. Have. Yeah. So everybody go buy Twinkle Belly from Sharita because she'll love mm-hmm. it. But this is an example. So she was, she's cleaning houses and she's making enough money to not clean houses anymore by doing belly beads and bracelets. And she's got like pop-ups and she sells on Facebook. And so she's not alone. Like she's not the anomaly. This is happening everywhere. This is happening all over the place. And go show Sharita some love and get some twinkle belly. But it's not what it used to be. And I was talking to a doctor who was definitely a boomer. And he was like, giving me all this shit that you were just saying. People are lazy. Nobody wants to work, blah, blah, blah. And his daughters who are 24, 22 are sitting there. And one of them wants to come work with me. Uh-huh. And one of them works. I forget where she works. She works at one of the, I think she works at one of the big retailers here in Columbus. And they're looking at their dad and they're like, no, it's not like that. Like, we just don't like it anymore. Like, we don't understand it anymore. We think it's very arbitrary, the decisions that are made. And we don't believe in that. They're starting to question it in a way that is so powerful and so visceral that the overlords, the older generation and the keepers of power have no idea what they're talking about. That's right. That's exactly it. What it's come down to is, is with the, the reason, the reason I think it's an awakening is, is people are starting to ask questions and say, well, wait a minute. Why do I have to do for you, for you Mm -hmm. and increase your pocketbook or increase Mm -hmm. your amount of time? Or I just love that you got to take a month off during the pandemic and sit at home and do et cetera. I had to figure out how to scramble because I don't, this this whole sense of saying, listen, if I want to change that, then I have to take control of my own destiny. If I take control of my own destiny, it means I'm not willing to play the, I'm not willing to just do it for you anymore. I'll do it with you, but I'm going to make it where I need to make it. I'm not going to sign your arbitrary non-compete clause that says I can't go and um, freelance on the side or I can't join an advisor group. People are starting to find value in their own self-worth. It's like everybody's having a big, huge, I love me party. Companies are like, what the fuck? When you flew off the hamster wheel and got a concussion, you shook it off and you were like, holy shit. And I still, I'm, when we talk about language mattering, Alin, mm-hmm. the, this is going to be my last point of our pod today for me yeah. is I am blood boiling angry. Anytime I read return to work policy. Oh, dear Lord. 
any right. article that says return to work. And all I can think is, bitch, we've been working the whole time. Return to work? Yeah. Screw you. What the hell do you mean by that? I've been working this whole time. Yep. We, you mean return to like direct eyeballs on me. You mean yeah. return to controlling my time and my effort and my productivity. You yeah. mean a return to what you're comfortable with. And I'm not sorry. You return to your work, comfort, your world, your comfort, your your control. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Ooh. return to work. We've been working. Oh the whole my time. gosh! Every place we see it, we should start. We should start. Everybody starts by a minute. Every place somebody says return to work, we need to make sure we put in the comments and say, no, 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 it's a return to control. Or bitch, I've been working the whole time. Bitch, I've been working the whole time. Exactly. <laughs> bitch, I've been working the whole time. Tired, but I've been working and I'm making it happen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? And I figured yeah. it out. It's just interesting. I'm excited because I'm getting to work lately with a lot of people who kind of what I call the new kind of entrepreneur generation who are finding their own self-value and self-worth. And it's exciting. It's exciting to watch the awakening happen. I can understand why everybody's scared to death. Everybody meaning, you know, all the people who had, who got to make controlled decisions. Right. All the narcissists are a little concerned. All the narcissists are freaking out a little bit, but you know, it'll be okay. Um, so the I, gaslighting will start in three, two, two one. one. It already <laughs> has. That's the whole point. I know. I know. That's the name of the pod right now. It's all a gaslight. Mm-hmm. Get over it, people. Well, thank you. Thank you for bearing with me. I had to go back into this conversation again, mainly because, dear Lord, there are literally at least 15 posts or articles and all the mainstream media is talking about this. And it's, I just, they got it wrong. And every time I read one, it pisses me off. So thank you for bearing with me as I wanted to talk about it yet again. 100% every time. Good. So those of you who have thoughts or opinions, I would love to hear them. Tell us what you think is happening out there, how we solve these problems. Really? Not problems. Yeah, how we adjust to this new world that we're that we're all in. Um, I think it would be great to understand. You can reach out to us at Ellen Bailey or at T Parsons. And of course, you can always check out our website at the talentrebelalliance.com. We would love to hear from you um, and see some of the cool stuff you're doing. Have a great rest of your week, Tracy. You too, Ellen. Take care, y'all. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening in. We hope you enjoyed yourself. The Talent Rebel Cast is part of the Talent Rebel Alliance. It's a movement connecting strong, independent, bossy, and, well, sometimes feisty women in the talent industry. Together, we're on a mission to grow our ideas, our presence, our value, and our impact. Smart women connecting with smart women to support each other. It's as simple as that. We believe big things happen from simple ideas. If you want to join the Talent Rebel Alliance, come on over and check out our website at talentrebelalliance.com. We hope to hear from you soon. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. 
redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.